welcome to Ponderland, talking about pets tonight. I loved pets when I was a kid, sort of obsessed with them. Really, really wanted gerbils, really, really wanted gerbils. I got one, it was called Barney, right? Lovely, manly, blokey name, Barney the gerbil. Then Barney, after about a day, with scant regard for his gender, just done a big load of babies out of his vagina. <laughs> about ten. And the first generation of them, it was really, really beautiful. Second generation went all barbaric and nasty, because what happened, right? Barney begat about ten. Them lot start begat a lot of others, right? <laughs> and like, the ones who had begat each other started to eat each other's babies <laughs> for a lot. As far as I could work out, I don't know, guilt or sense of contrition about what he's doing. Um, um, yeah, what? Yeah, I'm eating one of my nephews. <laughs> Sorry, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. <laughs> what was I thinking? Right, I'm angry about it at first, because I thought, that's not what we agreed for our utopia. But then I'd look down at their little faces, you know, I'll think, how can I stay mad at you, <laughs> you murderous, incestuous, infanticidal, cannibal little slags? <laughs> In spite of my difficulties with pets, I was a better pet owner than this bloke, right? He's got himself a big, bloody, great, proper James Earl Jones-style Lion King thing in his house in England, and he sort of deals with it like it's like a wayward, troublesome teenager, right? <laughs> like a football manager of a lion Gaza. Like how they would go, oh, you know, Paul, he's lovely, but you've got to, you know, you've got to look after Gaza. And then Gaza would turn up, ah! <laughs> Oh, there he goes, he made behind me head, like... Ah! Ah! Well, he's trying to manage a lion! He's a lion! What do you call him? Calm. Does he like... I mean, is he quite happy just sitting there while you're with him? Oh, yeah. He loves me a bit, isn't he? <laughs> hey, what, can you see that noise? Give us a kiss. Hey, give us a kiss, dude. Give me a kiss, hey? <laughs> is he dangerous? Pardon? Is it dangerous to have an animal like that as a pet, though? Well... It all depends, like, you know, if, if you treat them with kindness, you can see how much he's dangerous, can't you? Could he ever turn on you? I mean, he looks very friendly well, there. Well, he but... could do, yes, of course he could. But, I mean, there would be huh? any particular reason for him doing it. Yeah, no. Very playful, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. if that lion were trying to kill... Oh, get off! Ow! Wind your neck in, you prat! <laughs> this woman, right, she probably loves her horse. Irene, she reckons her name is. I ain't seen no evidence of it. She really loves her horse, but she's got the attitude towards it of a battered wife. No, I know he loves me. I know he loves me. After he hits me, he always cries and says, sorry, I think it's my fault. I, I think I make him hit me. And why does his horse always kick her head in on Christian festivals? I had an awful lot of time off work through falls and I spent no end of time going to a physiotherapist at sleep and being patched up. Last Christmas, I went to play at Clipsom Church and I was in such a crippled up position. I went for communion, I couldn't even get from my knees at the altar rails. They had to pull me up. <laughs> and I still got on the road, didn't I, lovebird? Still going back for more. I fell off her on Easter Sunday and it knocked me out. I climbed on again and rode home. And then she threw me again Easter Monday and I still got back for more. Didn't we, darling? 
On Pancake Day, he glassed me in the face. <laughs> that horse is a fundamentalist Christian. I will kill before another Ash Wednesday goes unobserved. <laughs> Look at these posh women talking about their dog. Right, he's a little, lovely, lonely, idiot cartoon dog with a lovely set of gnashers, all grinning. They're talking about him like he's sort of from Wuthering Heights. I said, oh, he's complicated. What makes him tick, the little bastard? <laughs> I don't know what it is with this dog. It's, it's you don't know what something to do with it. Just that little streak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like his sort of Elvis Presley way that he sort of goes into it. Like, <laughs> like he's constantly trying to repress all this anger that he's sitting on. He's kind of a canine rain man figure. Could be sort of normal for a bit. Fuck you! I just can't suppress it. <laughs> you bastard! And if he sees your shadow at the door, as you know sometimes, yes. goes for you, doesn't he? Well, I don't know why he does. I'm a great lover of animals. Goodness, yes, I know, know, but that's not the point. I think yeah. it's jealousy. I don't think it is. I think it's either jealousy. Jealousy, I think it is. Or he doesn't take to elderly people. No, I don't know what to do. Well, they do. Be careful. <laughs> After he does it, he sort of, sorry about that. <laughs> wags his tail. I'm, I'm ever so embarrassed. Sorry, like he's done a little fart. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's one of them people you see in the street like, fuck you, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I do apologise. Look at this, right? This information is presented to us as if it's a loop be bow me, it's have a little bit of fun, cat up a tree style news item. You know when at the end of the news they go, Okay, that was a terrible murder. Meanwhile, a cat's been caught up a tree, right? They try and present it to us like that, but there's all sort of twisted, macabre undertones. An enraged pet shop customer was today sentenced to a year's probation for stamping a budgie to death in a pet shop after she'd been given it as a peace offering in a dispute about the purchase of a dog. A woman was arrested after she stamped on a budgie, which was given to her as a peace offering in a dispute about a dog. Loony system. Sorry, what you don't like the dog? Nah. Would you like this budgie? <laughs> no! <laughs> Why would you ever offer a budgie for a dog? <laughs> the dog was offered as a peace offering in a row about a dolphin, which had originally been handed over because she didn't like a lizard, and this stretches back to a quarrel that Jesus had about a woolly mammoth. <laughs> after this frankly preposterous conduct, she tries to justify herself. So now it's coming to the excuse time. I'm definitely not going to say anything a bit wacky. After her arrest, Margaret Hastick of Hackney, North East London, who was nearest the camera, was alleged to have said it was only a budgie. And outside the court today, she said she did it for a reason she couldn't explain. Oh, that's all right. Couldn't explain. That's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it then. Was it magic? You got the magic circle? I'm afraid I can't explain. Don't ask me why I killed that budgie. Riddle me this. Did I stamp on the budgie? 
Or did the budgie stamp on me? Good night! <laughs> you could say that's quite a disrespectful way to treat animals, and you'd be right. This man, though, has got... Well, I don't know, less respect for animals, but it's sort of bizarre. He's some sort of tough lunatic, right? And he had a load of tropical birds, they got away, probably because he's a blithering idiot. His solution to this problem is, frankly, madcap. Before the war, there were a lot of exotic birds here that lived on grapes and bananas. And when I went to the war, they died because there were no grapes or bananas. <laughs> I took the grapes and bananas with me to the war for a snack. <laughs> so what is his stupid solution to this stupid problem that he stupidly created? And I came back on leave and I thought what I could do to cheer the place up. And so I went down to the chemist and bought some dyes. It's almost the easiest colour to do. Takes easier and they like it. They like it. They like that. They like being dyed. Look at the way they cheer. Waving their wings with joy. Gasping and blinking and shrieking with pleasure. How'd that boy get that job? How'd you get a job dying pigeons? Thank you for coming to the interview. Yeah, what's it about then, this, uh, this job, mate? Well, it's an interesting line of work. I'll ask you two questions. The two questions I intend to ask every applicant. One, do you like pigeons? <laughs> yeah, you all right? Excellent. Likes pigeons. <laughs> two. Do you like dying things? <laughs> Is that question related to the first one? Wait until you get the job! Don't ruin the surprise! I went to war without grapes or bananas! They have to be put in separate boxes in the airing cupboard. Of course. Separate boxes. I'm not a monster. But otherwise, they, they get together and they're... Colours run. <laughs> they just dried out, and the weakest one, the wettest one, gets screwed by all the <laughs> ones who are more active. Well, that's nothing to worry about then. That's just an old man watching weak, wet, dyed birds getting fucked by primary coloured other birds. <laughs> ah, nature! <laughs> Brands Ponderland. Have you ever wondered what your cat's thinking? We are an idiot then. But, but, what we done, right? What we done, we got a cat psychic come round my house to analyse with their brains my cat's thoughts. But that's weird because you've got to go on a long mental journey. Here it is. One, you can understand cat's thoughts. Yeah, we can understand cat's thoughts. 
If the cat can communicate these thoughts to you, can he? Yeah, we can understand when he communicates them to us. Okay, and cats have got language, have they? Yeah, cats have got language. Okay, and that's all, because I'll accept that. Is there anything else? No, no, nothing else. Okay, well, that's good. Oh, cats can see into the future! What? <laughs> Hi, my name's Marcus Lee Crowther, and this is my wife, Beth. We're here today to speak to Russell's cat, Morrissey. Well, uh, Russell's been away, although, you know, he loves you to bits, Russell. But he does apologise. He feels, feels that he has peed somewhere he shouldn't have done. Obviously, also raised the point about this house that there is going to be some plumbing or drainage problems um, in the near future, uh, so Russell can look out for those. Well, thank you, Morrissey, for your psychic insights, and I hope you found that helpful, Russell. You're fucking joking, aren't you? Too much now. Right, cat can, he's got language, he can communicate these ideas to you, and he knows about plumbing and drainage. <laughs> Why is he pissing everywhere then? <laughs> At least, though, he respects animals, and I don't like people being disrespectful to the animal community, particularly like ancient animals like reptiles. They were here long before we were born, and they will remain here long after we've died. And sometimes, yes, you know, we have to impose restraint on these great noble creatures in order to study them and to learn more, but we must never, ever compromise their dignity. Let's see if we can't get her to ring the doorbell. Hold on. Hello there. Dane! Oi, Dane! Think I've blocked out the shitter! <laughs> I've got an itchy Harris! <laughs> this gentleman similarly has great respect of nature. Yes, he has got a great, bloody great big bloody lion and he's deprived it of freedom. And if you're going to keep a lion from the wild in your garage, you better have bloody good motivation for that. Mr Stone, why on earth have you got such a huge pet? If I uh, call it a pet. Yeah, I bought it to study the martial arts of Kung Fu to develop a new style. <laughs> you should watch your movements and put them into a style of Kung Fu. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just, you know, watch his movements, put it into a style of Kung Fu. I know in Kung Fu they say, like, oh, there's different styles, like the crane in Karate Kid, but it ain't actually like a crane. It's like a metaphor, like a totemic metaphor. You don't, when you're doing the crane, go... Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Eventually, the interviewer asks what can only be described as a pertinent question. Do you think it's a reasonable thing to have a, a creature as big as that, and obviously as dangerous as that, in, in a built-up area? Um, maybe not. That is a key question. Um, we'll just see how it goes as she gets bigger and see what happens. See what happens. Probably be all right. Like, what kind of licensing and importation laws are in place in this country? Because there must be some. There must be a procedure to bring a lion into the country, surely. And what kind of slack, slapdash, half arsed bureaucracy allows a lion to be brought in under those circumstances? Come in, yes, next. Uh, and what are you doing with that lion? Brought it here to study Kung Fu. <laughs> OK, for Kung Fu. And uh, where are we going to keep it? In the garage. Fine, next. <laughs> Go through. Go through. And you, sir, what are you going to do with that monkey? I'm just going to take him home and fuck him. <laughs> On you go. No problem. This woman here, she loves a pet parrot, and there's nothing more normal and natural as a woman loving a parrot, OK? There's no reason for us to view it as a 
haunting, macabre, Hitchcocky nightmare. Some people laugh at us, don't they, Prue? You see, they haven't got a nice parrot, have they? No, they haven't. They haven't a parrot that loves them to distraction, have they? I think they're a bit jealous. I do. Yes. Yes. We've loved each other. Hadn't we loved each other? Yes, we have. If I should die, then who would look after you? Because I don't think you would like anyone to look after you. We'll just die on the same day. When the time comes, you won't think about it. When the time comes, we'll just ask God if we could just die on the same day. <laughs> that parrot could not be complicit in a suicide pact. <laughs> die on the same day! You see, he repeated it. <laughs> and on that final day, when she does die, Oh, I'm just going off into that good night now, Prue. Okay. <laughs> Remember our pact, Prue? Mmm. <laughs> you will die too, won't you? Go to sleep now. <laughs> okay, I'm finally dying, Prue. Oh, me too, coincidentally. <laughs> an affair with her dog, Miles. And, you know, some would say, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> she talks about it like it's just a normal affair. And she's really adamant, this woman, that the problem is with her husband, John. Like, John's the problem. Who's the problem in this scenario where I'm having sex with a dog? Hmm, who to blame? Sarah was 36 when her husband began to suspect her relationship with Miles, the family dog, <laughs> he decided to have Miles castrated. Well, I would say that the act of castrating Miles was one of the nails in the coffin, but the threat to have him euthanized if he found out I was having anything to do with him that way um, was absolutely the last nail in the coffin of my marriage. Yeah, that's threat. That's the last nail in the coffin. Then the last nail in the coffin of your marriage could have been when you fucked the dog! <laughs> John, you have become very judgmental lately. <laughs> I really like to think, how did that affair develop, like, you know, sort of, Miles sleeps in my bed now. John, you sleep in Miles's bed, okay? <laughs> don't like this. Like, and, like, it must have been very awkward between John and Miles when they went for a walk and that. <laughs> I'm so sorry for them both. This is awkward for me as well, you know. <laughs> well, let's try and handle this maturely, shall we? <laughs> Embarrassingly, uh, John, actually, I need a shit now, and <laughs> legally, you are obliged to pick that up. <laughs> you know, I, I know you're down now, John, but try not to be too angry with her. Try and, try and remember, John, that she's still the woman you fell in love with. You know, sure, she's 
put on some weight and she has sex with a dog now, but <laughs> underneath all that fat and dog sperm, she's still the woman, <laughs> still very much the woman you fell in love with. After that, can you really ever trust her around any animals? You know, look at this, what seems like an innocent horse ride, but why does the horse seem so very edgy? I have a wonderful little pony stallion. His name is Sandy. <laughs> the primary thing that gives me more joy above and beyond everything else is to harness him up, hitch him up to my little wagon, and off we go. He's definitely fucking up. transpires, right? She talks about Sandy, the horse, and really tries to rationalise this equine love affair in a way that makes me just a little bit uneasy. I haven't really tried to do anything with Sandy. <laughs> Sandy is a young pony and he's got some growing up to do. So really right now he is kind of like a baby, but he will grow and when he gets older he will be able to show me certain behaviors. Now, I will say that there have been times when I go out to the pasture to bring him up for his feed at night, and I'll walk on ahead of him, and he just jumps right up on me. Jumps right up on me, you know? And I'm only human. And he's a horse. And that's the fucking problem. An animal jumping up on you is not consent for sex. My cat Morrissey, sometimes when I'm watching telly, he like jumps up on my lap and I just sort of think, oh, hello, mate. I don't think, you dirty little bastard. <laughs> if while strolling in a meadow, a butterfly should alight upon your shoulder, don't think, you filthy little bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Smell that! Good girl, that's you, that is! 